Hey, welcome to the show. Come on in. Hello, and welcome back to the Fit Ed Show, episode three. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Catherine. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. We're glad to have you here for this episode. We're excited to get started. So first up, we're actually going to have Catherine and our director of chapter development, Holly Taylor, go through uh, qualities of a good instructor for our program. A great instructor. A great one. We're excited about it. Let's get started. So the first topic today is something that Holly and I have had a lot of practice learning over the years. I would say we talk to at minimum six advisors a week. Yeah, um, at least. Yeah, people who are interested in the program. And so we do one hour consultation calls with them and we really get to know them. We've also been here for like a long time um, and really have seen what kind of person is a good fit for this program and what kind of person is not. So we want to go over a short list of some of the qualities that we think are most important in a nonprofit instructor through a FIA. Um, the first thing is obviously that they have to be ethical. We will, we will qualify them on that one hour consultation. So we're looking to make sure this person has the best interest of their client in mind. Um, and that they work with a fiduciary mindset. You know, we think that's really important that they have the right goals and that their end game is not just to make a sale. Exactly. And excellent communication aside from the obvious, it's arguably one of the most important skills that we need for instructors to be successful in our program, but not only to the students in the workshop, more importantly with the AFIA team. You know, we're here to coach you and to guide you through the program. And so your ability to communicate with us effectively really makes a big difference in your success. Absolutely. And that's, that's including your response times. You know, uh, that is so imperative to the success of this program. Um, we are oftentimes working with tight deadlines. We need to get the mail out in time. We need to get any of the marketing out in time so that students have enough time to register um, we need to book an event at a library, college, university, whatever venue you're choosing, usually pretty quickly, unless you guys try and go ahead and plan out your year like six months in ahead. Highly recommend that. Um, but we can talk about that another time. And, you know, we're making really important decisions with you, like where you're going to teach, what are the dates, what are the times of your event. So we definitely are looking for people who are responsive. Right. And back to the guidance that we're providing to our instructors, a really big element of that greater picture for success is being coachable. Having an openness to that guidance that we're going to provide makes a huge difference. And you'd be surprised how many people say they're coachable and they want to do things their own way. So <laughs> we, we really take that seriously. Um, coachability is key. Um, that way you're going to understand the importance of continued education for yourself, not just for your students. Um, having that mindset that there's always something new for you to learn um, because we're constantly growing. You, we want you to grow with us and continually, continually improve yourself. Absolutely. Yes. 
And another important quality is definitely going to be drive and determination. So you have to want to educate and make money. You've got to want to do both things. So you do have to spend money to make money. So you need to understand the importance of that. And one thing that we're going to do on this hour-long consultation is talk to you a little bit about your goals. Hey, new year, new goals. We are all about it because the main thing we want to do is make sure that we are helping you achieve those goals. So if you can you know, give us a little bit of information about that up front on the strategy session, we can tailor that information to you while talking to you about it and really figure out you know, if you do have the drive and determination to uh, be joining this program. Right. And the willingness to reflect and analyze, I think, is also really key to anyone's success in our program. Yes. Not just doing things and then moving on to the next set of classes, really taking the time to ask why did things go the way that they did, observing not just the good, but also the bad, providing you with an academic coordinator ensures that every event will be better than the last and that evaluation and openness to it is really important. So we we take that um, into consideration. We're getting to know people. Are they going to be those type of analytical type of instructor? Yes, always improving, always better the next day than the last. Um, the last thing that we've already talked about on this podcast, so go back to episode one and listen to our segment, Consistency is Key, because this is so important. You have to want to keep doing this over and over again. Two reasons. Uh, you want to keep your pipeline full. We will also drip market to the people who you've previously invited to an event. So even if they didn't sign or even if they did not attend, they didn't actually show or but they registered, but and maybe they came to an appointment and you know nothing really came out of it that time. Continuing to teach every time you post a new class for you is going to invite those people. So you know. It's a great way to keep your pipeline full and revisit some of the same people and become their trusted instructor. And we also want, kind of like with the willingness to reflect and analyze, we want you to get better every time. That's the goal. If you're working towards getting better every single time, this program is highly sustainable. We have people who have been in this program for nine years at this point um, that I recruited a long, long time ago. And all they're doing is just repeating themselves and improving and growing their team of people who are actually using the program. So that is also very important. The OGs. Oh, yeah. We love them. (laughs) They're so good. (laughs) And we do have a couple specific qualifications aside from personality traits that we look for. And what those are, uh, first and foremost, would be the three to five years of experience in the industry. Obviously, we want you to have experienced it, been a part of the real world. That way you have the credibility to teach to these students and speak to your background. We have the ability to work with advisors on a a wide range of experience level, but this is kind of the minimum that we look for. And then we do a soft credit and background check initially. So that's important. Obviously, we want to have that alliance as professional as possible. We're putting you alongside other qualified professionals, and we take that very seriously. But then lastly, and this is arguably the most important, um, just having that mindset that putting education first is the best for both parties, that an educated student makes the best client. Amen. (laughs) We can teach you everything that you need to succeed in this program, but we can't teach you to be passionate about education. We can't teach you to put that first. And so just having that mindset, I think, can really take you far in our program. Absolutely. So if there are any listeners here who are interested in just getting on this um, strategy, what we call a strategy session, it's really an hour long consultation call. 
you know, we'll, we'll provide in the description of this episode, a link that you can use to go ahead and just get on our calendars and have that call. Do it. All the cool kids are doing it. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, you never know. This could be the next best thing for you. So, or you could, it, it might not be a fit and you would at least walk away with a little bit more knowledge about financial education and your area. So book with us. We'll see you there. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. So our uh, first guest today on the podcast is going to be Ted Thatcher. He is located in Oregon, and he kind of targets two different areas there. We'll get into that. Um, But we have Ted on the line, one of our members, and then uh, Holly Taylor is also here with us today, the uh, director of um, chapter development for AFIA. Hey, Holly. Hey, guys. And I'm so excited to be here with the both of you today because I don't know if you recall, Ted, it's been a couple of years, but I was actually lucky enough to speak with you in the beginning. I was your first point of contact here at AFIA, and I recruited you couple of years ago so i was really excited to be time here. flies doesn't it <laughs> yes. i can't believe it really i yeah. was uh, thinking about that earlier and it's like man uh it, you guys have been awesome partners and so i'm thankful to have the opportunity to talk with you absolutely well, thank you right back at you um so what we're talking to ted about today is how he utilizes a concept that we um, just kind of recently started implementing but have seen great success with, and that is what we're calling a chaser mailer. So a chaser mailer is a little less expensive than our typical uh, 8.5 by 11 trifold mailer. It is actually a postcard, um, and our strategy here is to just remail these postcards to the same people who got our first uh, mailer, our eight and a half by 11 regular trifold mailer. So it's basically just a reminder, you know, that the class is going to start. And what we've seen is this, this drastically increases the um, registration numbers. Uh, so just as a little bit of background on Ted, he um, is in Medford and Re- Medford, Oregon and Redding, California. Um, and he is teaching social security classes, two dates, two top or two classes per campaign, and typically at the same location for each campaign. So, um, and you're usually mailing about two times a quarter. And I think you'll probably get into this, uh, Ted, but you're focusing more on your Redding, uh, California area than you are your Medford chapter right now. Um, but the challenge I think was initially that, the in these locations that the um, count it's kind of a low count rural area and so that's why this is a really good um, solution for you Uh, Ted can you just give us some background on you know when and why like what triggered you to use this method um, and the results that you're seeing Mm -hmm. from this absolutely and I'll say a little bit of context too about our two offices yes Um, please Medford and Reading. I mean, from a demographic standpoint, just for everyone listening, they're very, very similar. We're talking about cities that have, you know, certainly less than 100,000 people and in one case, 60,000 people. And so we run into, I think, what a lot of, uh, you know, offices run into in rural areas, which is we just don't have the counts. Like we just don't have an unlimited um, amount of people to mail to, certainly not that are uh, in our target demographic range. And so um, we kind of faced an issue uh, in our Reading, uh, you know, plan for our, our events 
where we weren't getting registrations. The middle of the year rolled around, it's summertime, mm-hmm. and we work with Advisors Excel as our FMO. And so I, uh, you know, take a lot of intention and effort to try and collaborate with the advisors in our network. And mm-hmm. I truly believe they're some of the best in the industry. Um, I only say some of the best to be humble. I think they are the best if I'm being, <laughs> uh, if I'm being truly honest. Uh, and so one of the things that the biggest offices that I talk to that do over a hundred million in new assets a year do is when they see slowdowns in their, uh, registrations, they will send chaser postcards. But what they will do is they will take the top third of their list, you know, with the best demographics they're shooting for and send a postcard. And so in my conversations with, uh, those advisors, they said, Oh, try that, give it a shot. Um, and as you know, I actually brought that up to, uh, Terry, our coordinator, mm-hmm. and it just so happened to be the case that it was something that you guys had been working with leading response on. I, at least I think it was sort of, uh, serendipitous there. And so it was something we really wanted to do. And because of the amount of accounts we have, we just decided to try it out and basically double mail everybody, obviously send our normal mailer out and then follow up with a postcard. And the bottom line is it ended up working extremely well. And we can go through the numbers on that. But I think it's important to understand, like, the real reason why I think it worked well. Because we do everything in our office based on the numbers. And so as a part of, um, just to come back to the Advisors Excel point for a second, they did a massive study where they went to, you know, offices all across the country, attended hundreds of dinner seminars, educational events, all of, all of it. Mm-hmm. And they polled the attendees after they left. And they asked them what the reason they signed up for the event was. And the most consistent answer was not because of the topic of choice, although, of course, we all know some topics tend to perform better than others. They basically all just cited that it was it happened to be a good time for them or it was top of mind. And the reason they went to so many different events was because they weren't going to simply accept the fact that it was just serendipity. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it ended up being more than anything serendipity. And so when something is top of mind, it allows people to actually show up. Yes. And when they have a little reminder like that, it actually plays into what the statistics tell us, the reason people actually show up to our events are. I teach social security classes, like basically exclusively, and it works really well. Right. But I think this applies to whether you're talking about social security, whether we do plenty of dinner seminars, as well. Um, and I know a lot of guys that do the text uh, classes and things like that. And so maybe it would help to kind of wrap it up and just kind of run through the numbers with some uh, on these that I know you guys have in front of you. But yes, those I are the, my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I think the numbers do speak for themselves. Um, and, you know, these kind of, like you're saying with these reminders, you know, it just, uh, I think people are more inclined to pay attention. Um, so, all right, let's see. We had your. Your first campaign, um, the registration counts at first, the day before the postcards hit home, so with the regular mail, was 29 households. Then three days after it hit home, you were at 48 households. And then your final registration count 
um, you were at 63 total households. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So you went from 29 I have to, to say, it was a very full event. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, and then your second campaign, you started at um, 32 total households before they hit home. And then your final count was, again, at 68. So... Um, I would say that's a that's a huge increase, <laughs> more than fifty yeah. percent in the first one, but then definitely like yeah, around fifty percent for this. I guess above for both. Um, don't quote me on that because I don't do math, but you know, <laughs> that's I have a rule: you don't do public math. Yeah, no public math for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I think that's incredible. I mean, obviously, doing this is a pro. You've improved your registration numbers. Um. But do you feel there's any cons to this? Obviously, the increased cost of marketing, but anything else? I mean, is there any reason not to do this? Well, so uh, (laughs) that's hilarious. Um, (laughs) It's a good way to frame the question. I personally don't think it's something that we will stop doing Um, unless it stops working. Like I said, the numbers drive the decisions. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, it's a lower cost um, piece. Mm -hmm. And we are not really just getting a couple more registrations. Right. We're talking about a complete, like literally doubling the registrations. Exactly. And so as long as your team has the capacity, I think it's a no-brainer. Yes, that's right. That is um, so important. And and so that's like the governor on this is like, well, if you're like, you know, don't fix something if it's not broken. Mm-hmm. If you're getting good numbers, if you're at capacity, great. But if you would like a few more people in the room, I believe it is very much some of the best additional dollars you can spend on marketing. I think the real con really is just going to be capacity. If your rooms, if you're not going to be able to control the room, right? I mean, it's actually like, I remember sitting uh, and teaching that class in front of, you know, literally in one case, 40 households, basically 70 people. Right. Teaching a class like that is different and it does require you know, the instructor to like, you know, uh, it just puts a little bit more pressure on you, which is fine because you're going to have that extra person that asks the question that probably wasn't appropriate at the time. (laughs) But beyond that, (laughs) uh, but beyond that, I do think that the numbers speak for themselves. um, If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So you brought up two things that I didn't really plan on talking about, but we can kind of talk about really briefly because I think they're important. Um, you brought up your team being able to handle that number of people. Um, and so can you just let, like, tell us a little bit about your team and how many people you have at the event? And, you know, I, I, the other thing I think is important is that you're teaching a lot and you get better and better and better. The more you do these event-based marketing type things, you know, you get better at booking the appointments at the event all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're constantly preaching about consistency is key. So can you expand on those two things, like just really quickly? Yeah. So uh, we have a really small team. Uh Um, When I started teaching these classes, I did it all myself. It was me, single guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, thankfully, you know, uh, we've grown. And so we have right now um, basically two administrative staff um, that, help me uh on each of our events and so our team right now looks like a team of three running the events if that makes sense yeah that's good now we have we have other advisors but really that's not they're not really involved with uh like 
certainly uh, our social security events. Okay. So what about the, um, when you run the appointments, is anyone, are you like splitting the appointments with anyone? Or are you taking all of these appointments on, on your own? I, oh, this is a great question. This is, uh, so I am currently as of, you know, today still taking all of the appointments myself. Wow. At this point, however, I, I am, um, unquestionably at capacity. <laughs> um, in fact, I, imagine. I, I tell, um, like my, my best practice and you guys talk about this too is uh you know time is a huge factor and when you can see people and for the last probably quarter plus maybe almost six months now we our calendar is like quite literally completely booked for about four weeks out I and think. even then it's further than that and that's just like you know i can literally see it in our you know, stick rates, you know, people showing up for their, you know, strategy sessions, I can see it in our, you know, the amount of those that show up to their first appointment becoming clients. Those numbers aren't as good when we have so much time in between our events and when we see them in our office. And so I'm actually um, actively, uh, we, we just engaged a recruiter to bring on another advisor and we'll probably bring on a, a total of three advisors this year. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how we're, but but right now, right now, today, um, Ted is the one taking the appointments, uh, (laughs) as far as these go, (laughs) go Ted, go Ted. Well, that's great. You'll be able to grow your practice, you know, by adding a few more advisors. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we're excited about it. We very much appreciate that you're a numbers guy. Uh, we were just, um, you know, thinking of one of the topics today that we're going to be addressing later. Um, is the willingness to analyze and reflect. And so um, just you tracking all of these has definitely been a key indication of your success. So I'm just curious to know, um, since I was your recruiter, um, I'm curious to know if you have an average case size or return on investment for um, each of these campaigns. Or in general. Or just in general. Sure. So I have it all here. And I can kind of walk you through because we track all these things. Um, you know, we, we track them event by event, but we also track them over the course of the year. Families that came and booked appointments was uh, 66.2% um, for us. Um, usually that range is, uh, and this is basically over the course of our social security classes through 2023. Usually the number ends up being somewhere between like usually I'll target 70 to 75% um, is what we shoot for. And that's pretty commonly what we get. These numbers are a little bit lower, uh, that number specifically a little bit lower than I would expect. And then um, our stick rate, as far as who shows up to those first appointments, we always target that to be between 80 and 90%. This is 81.2, also a little bit low. At some point though, like I said, I think that being a low number has a lot to do with how much time is, uh, like just how far out our schedules booked. Right. Right. And then, uh, the amount of folks that we met with and then became clients is about 32.3% of that. All right. And so, uh, you had asked about average case size, um, total average case size in our case is just about 900,000 actually. Yeah. Just about 900,000. That's great. Um, so our year one, like 90 day, eh, maybe not 90 day, maybe like 120 day for sure. 90 to 120 day cash on cash return for like spending on mailers basically. Right. It's about 26 to one. 
All right. Gotcha. I love it. Do you feel um, that these students are different from the people who are showing up to your dinner seminars in any way? It's a good question. Um, you know, I do think that they are a little bit different. Um, I have had actually people show up to both. Nice. Um, All right. Even better. I have, I have had people show up to both, which is always a good thing. You have a high likelihood of getting that person on as a client at that point, Absolutely. I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that you have usually like I like, you know, if somebody's coming to a social security event, they are interested in learning about that specifically. Right. Um, and so you at educational events, I do think you are getting a, you know, more um, certainly a more specific like like uh, the buyer, like the, the attendee, the person's trying to learn like they know what they're like, they know what their problem is. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Where at a dinner seminar. um usually it's a little bit more broad. Like you almost have to teach them what their problem is so that you can help them solve it. Right. And so I would say that that's the distinction um, that I've noticed. That's very interesting way to put it. It's like the people who are, know they have a problem are trying to educate themselves, at least start there on how to solve that problem. And you end up being the solution while the, <clears throat> the, um, you know, you get a mailer for a din dinner seminar and you're invited to, eat some food it's like hey you know i could learn a little bit about this and have a nice meal so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right okay. of I course gotcha. yeah all right i love it well um unless you have do you have any like final thoughts for our listeners you know i um i do agree with your your statement that consistency is key and i would emphasize that you know if you don't have uh events going on you don't have new people to see right. um you don't have new people to help and without consistency, at least if your goal is to help as many people as possible, <laughs> uh, that's not going to be achievable. Right. And so I don't say that in a bad way. I just definitely agree with your point. Absolutely. Yes. We think that's like top on the list of best advice. Holly and I, when we're, ta when we're interviewing people for these, we're, we're like, the best advice we can give you is don't sign up for this program unless you're going to use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless you're going yeah, to I think, I think so. And I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, public speaking is putting yourself in an uncomfortable position mm -hmm. and you got to be willing to, uh, put yourself out there and actually, you know, teach a class where you fumble over your words so that the next time you fumble over seven less words so that the next time you get the whole first half, right. So that the next time you actually have something that's valuable. Yes. And, oh. um, so anyway, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, we, we try to tell, we try to tell, you know, people that the consistency leads to sustainability because you're just going to get better and you're just going to want to keep getting better and better and seeing more people, you know, when you see the results come through like you've had, like you've seen. So, um, thank you, Ted, for coming on today. Uh, this has been such a pleasure and I know people are going to love to hear about your experience. Awesome. I hope it helps. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and thank you so much for your time, Ted. Enjoy your upcoming weekend. Yeah, bye now. Bye. bye. Our next guest today, our final guest on the podcast today, is going to be Rick McClanahan. He is the um, founder and CEO of NACFF, which is the National Association of Certified Financial Fiduciaries. Hey, Rick. Glad to have you on today. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about the NACFF? Sure. So the National Association of Certified Financial Fiduciaries was originally created uh, back in 2016 when the original Obama-era uh, Department of Labor fiduciary rule came out. And we decided to put together a course to help our advisors and agents uh, understand what, what that rule meant and how it would apply to their practices. And once we did that and put that information together, we realized that there was over eight hours worth of material uh, that they needed to study. And so we wanted to, we figured it made sense that if you're going to go through all that studying and learn all that, you should have something to show for it uh, once you're done with that. And that's how the certified financial fiduciary uh, designation was, was born. And we still do that. What Our course is designed to help agents and advisors understand what the prevailing fiduciary standards are, not just uh, the Department of Labor standards, but also the SEC, the NAIC, uh, and it's really agnostic to those rules. So if those rules change in the future, uh, the people who take this course are gonna learn how to adapt and run a holistic fiduciary practice, regardless of what uh, the, the prevailing rules are, because they'll always be really above what those standards are anyway. Awesome. So it just basically is always going to apply. And, you know, everybody's looking for a fiduciary uh, ever since that that one uh, Fisher commercial came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now and we all know. It's exactly. They, they've actually done a good job of educating or at least bringing the word fiduciary to uh, the general consumer's mind and to the forefront. And then there's other companies like AARP who Right. suggest to their over 50 million uh, members that they, if they're going to work with a financial advisor, make sure that they're a fiduciary. And so it's kind of been coached into uh, what the general public looks for when they're trying to find a fidu uh, trying to find a financial advisor now. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So you're about to start working with the American College, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's really exciting. We, we've been working uh, on a deal with the American College to become a distributor of our certified financial fiduciary designation. And, we, and, it, and, and that deal had really, we've been in negotiations for literally two years with them, uh, and we were finally able to solidify that. So we're really excited for what that's going to do for, the, for us uh, and also for the college. But they have a lot of relationships that at the time we wanted to have, but maybe didn't necessarily have the clout uh, since our, our designation was relatively new. Uh, but now it's already opened doors in different larger organizations and groups. And so we're excited about what that's going to look like in the future. That's awesome. I bet you are. <laughs> what an accomplishment. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. So, and how long is the exam and how much is it for our listeners? So the, so the course by itself, the training course that you can either get through us directly or you can also enroll at the, in, through the American College. Uh, basically what I did was I recorded myself um, teaching essentially what a live class would look like. And so I basically got through, I go through all of the material in the course textbook uh, in about eight hours or so. And so if a person was to enroll today uh, and really, really were serious about trying to get through it, they could, they could schedule their test on Monday or on, you know, in like three days or so mm -hmm. and, and really be ready to, um, you know, to, prepared to take the exam. And so it's about eight hours worth of online training. And then we recommend, you know, taking some additional time to just study that we have an actual uh, 
workbook that goes with it so you can go through those uh, examples. Uh, and then there's a practice exam that you can take as well to really nice. prepare you. So in all, I mean, it could take you anywhere from eight hours if you really were serious. We give you 60 days to complete it, okay. uh, but most people get it done faster than that. And then once you sit for the exam, there's a two hour window to take the exam. Um, but, you know, people typically get that done in about an hour, hour and a half. Okay. All right. All right. So next we want to move on to talking a little bit about we we've Kayleen and I've known Rick for a long time and his one of his favorite concepts is one by Zig Ziglar and the way he explains it and brings it back to how it relates both to CFF and AFIA is pretty cool. Uh, we have a lot of people who are AFIA members and also have the CFF designation. So Rick, tell us about the Zig Ziglar stuff. Yeah, so most people, if you've been in this industry more than a year, you're going to be familiar with who Zig Ziglar is, but also not just in necessarily in this industry, but just in sales in general, because Zig Ziglar is uh, essentially a subject matter expert when it comes to sales training uh, and what it takes to get through an entire sales cycle. And one of the things that Zig Ziglar said was that every sale has five basic obstacles, and those obstacles are no need, no money, no hurry, no desire, and no trust. And so when you think about, and this is, it doesn't matter if you're selling widgets or if you're selling you know, memberships to a FIA or if you're selling the certified financial fiduciary designation, most of the time your sales are gonna fall inside it. You're gonna find these objections. If you, if you have yeah. any objections at all, it's gonna fall within these five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the way that this is, we tie this together both with a FIA uh, and then also the designation is you have to you have to really address how do you overcome these objectives, I mean objections, and so the biggest thing that the certified financial fiduciary designation does for people, aside from teaching them how to run a holistic fiduciary practice, which which step by step model to help you do that, make sure you're following all the prevailing standards and guidelines. In addition to that, though, what it does for your client, and we always position the Certified Financial Fiduciary designation as a designation really for your clients more so than it is for you as an advisor. And mm-hmm. it's because what it does is it gains, it immediately uh, allows the advisor to gain trust and credibility because they understand what that word fiduciary means, which means I'm going to always put your best interest first before my own. And so if a client or a prospect approaches someone uh, who's an advisor who is a certified financial fiduciary, they can rest assured and have and, and have the confidence of knowing that their best interests will always come first. So out of the five of Zig Ziglar's uh, obje- obstacles, you know, the trust, if you have, if you're a certified financial fiduciary, you really can eliminate the no trust issue. And so then you have to figure out, well, how then do I handle the other four? No need, no money, no hurry, and no desire. And that would normally be tricky because it just depends. There's a, there's a lot of factors that would go into that, but the way that AFIA is positioned uh, and, it's, and its business model is perfect to handle all four of these because Absolutely. when you're doing a mailer with AFIA, number one, you're gonna only mail to people who are in a certain demographic, right? So you already know that those people have money, yep, a certain right. amount of assets or whatever that is because of depending on the class, right? So if it's a retirement income class, you wanna make sure that the people you're sending an invitation to have retirement income assets that they can, that they're concerned about. Yep, and that so would be you, ideal. That, yes. that was, that's <laughs> ideal, right? So 
you definitely handle that one. So you know they have the money. And then what about the need? Well, again, depending on the class. So if I'm mailing out a mail or an invitation to somebody uh, speaking about Medicare, the ABCDs of Medicare, and I'm mailing it to people who are about to turn 65, then I know, I 100% know for a fact that they have the need, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if I get those people to come to a class, I know they're going to be sitting there because they have a need because they're in that window of having to make a decision about what to do with their Medicare choices. Mm -hmm. And then it'd be the same thing when, it, when you talk about the hurry. Is there no hurry? Well, if I'm about to turn 65 and I have a class a month or two before I get ready to turn 65, I'm in a hurry to make a decision. And so I'm in a hurry to learn about it before I make that decision. So we, AFIA takes care of that as well. And then the final thing is the desire, no desire. Well, if you have a class, especially the way that AFIA sets up their classes. This strictly educational. It's strict, exactly. Yeah. It's strictly educational, right? So there's no dinners, you're not paying people, you're not feeding people or anything like that. So when people come to that class, you know they have a desire to learn the education or to get the education and they want to take action on it because they're not there to eat. They're usually going to one of your venues, which would be like a library or a college. So they're in an academic setting the whole time. So they're excited about that and they have that desire. So when you put all of those things together, when you pair a FIA, and then you also pair that with say the certified financial fiduciary designation, you handle all of Zig Ziglar's five basic obstacles, which no need, no money, no hurry, no desire, no trust. All of those things are handled when you pair a FIA with the certified financial fiduciary designation. Absolutely. We agree 100%. Yeah. And the kind of person, you know, we're all actually, um, you don't know this, but the, one of the segments that we, uh, of this podcast is the qualities of a great instructor. And one of those is a fiduciary mindset. You know, somebody who is, uh, has the right motives is a holistic planner, um, and can really take care of their students and put their interests first. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, let's just add a whole nother layer on top of that, uh, by, you know, only, or, you know, taking people, especially who have this CFF designation. Um, yeah. We love the combination too. It really, really works out. Yeah, fits perfectly. Yeah. So I guess the final thing here, Rick, is how can our listeners uh, find you? How can they sign up? Yeah. So our website, they can just go to our website to learn more information. That's nationalcffassociation.org, nationalcffassociation.org. And when you get there, you can learn all about our, you know, who we are, how we got started. You can see a directory of some of our other members. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a there's a drop down there which says upcoming classes. And if you want to sign up or enroll, uh, just click on that to where it drops down and click on the online class and it'll take you to that. And then what I've done since I have such an affinity for AFIA, uh, I've created a code right now. It's, it's AFIA, A-F-E-A 1000. Nice. And if you, when you get there and you type in that code, when you get to the checkout, it's going to take off a thousand dollars off of our, off of our regular enrollment. That's awesome. And absolutely. And this is exclusive, obviously, for only for a few active AFIA members. This is not something that we would advertise publicly because we never do this. But again, you know, I have such a good relationship with AFIA that that's the case. So AFIA 1000 is the code. And you just go to nationalcffassociation.org, go to the upcoming classes. Uh, tab and click on online classes and it'll take you to the checkout. We can include um, in the description of the podcast, wherever you're listening, we can include that link and the um, 
discount code as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Check there. Thank you so much, Rick. We love the offer. I know our members will really appreciate it too. Um, And it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening today. This has been super fun. Uh, We're always glad to have you here. And um, like we said in the beginning, happy 2023. We know it's going to be a great year, not only for the FinEd girls, but all of our fabulous listeners. And we can't wait to see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.